This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org. popping y'all welcome back to culture jam a podcast all about music your favorite musical artists and the cultural influences behind them i'm your host zoe and today i have my good friend jack calvary with me here today jack is a freshman marine science and anthropology major here at the university of south carolina and he happens to live right down the hall from me so he's a good friend of mine and i'm excited to have him on today welcome to the show jack thank you so much Zoe, for having me it's a pleasure uh, today, we're going to be talking about U2 and especially how they've incorporated activism, philanthropy, and just social and political consciousness into their musical career. And then in the second part of the show, I have an interview coming up with a musician based here in Columbia, South Carolina. She goes here to U of SC and her name is Kenzie McCarter. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, though, what are you listening to recently, Jack? What's on your playlist? Recently, I kind of, I like to listen to everything, um, but knowing that I was going to talk on YouTube, I visited my old YouTube playlist, kind of cycled into them, and it kind of took me on a nostalgic trip back to home and everything I listened to. A lot of the music influence I have, especially YouTube based is from my parents. Um, with that, a lot of Johnny Cash, a lot of Phil Collins, um, and then finally, a lot of Cat Stevens. Those are my main four areas that I've been re-looking into. I am a Phil Collins fan. My mom used to play that song, what's it called? In the Air Tonight. And every time we'd be in the car, we'd do the whole like, but yeah, I've been listening to, I've been listening to a new album by someone called Arlo Parks. She released an album called Claps and Sunbeams. And I've been listening to that a lot. It's very like, she's this like British, black, queer, like singer songwriter and her music is like super pretty. So I've been listening to that. And then 24K Golden came out with a new song okay. like a week or two ago called 321. It's kind of a banger. I like him a lot. He remind I like him a lot because he was the last like concert that I got to go to, like real concert before COVID. Oh, sure. I saw him in Corday last year for Valentine's Day. So I like him. He's dope. I still think his song Mood is so catchy. It's so good. It was like top of the charts for a long time because it is super catchy. We're gonna be talking about U2 today. You're a big U2 fan. Do you wanna give me your top favorite like three U2, U2 songs? I have many. I'm gonna go off of like my top three meaning wise, like what they resemble for me. It's not always what I'll listen to right off the bat. Um, for example, I love Desire by U2, but I don't really attach a lot of a personal meaning to that song. It's just an easy one for me to play. Um, my big one is Stuck in a Moment by U2 that you can't get out of is their extended title. Um, and that song for me relates a whole lot to like mental processes and my mentality, how you can get stuck in like an emotional state and you're just kind of there for a little bit. So I really attach to that one. Let's see other main ones. I'm trying not to say like the main ones that everyone knows. Here's day Sunday bloody Sunday is obviously really big. She's a refugee. I think it's just called a refugee from YouTube. That's part of their war album. I really like that one. I like that one for more nostalgic reasons. My aunt Suzanne always played that every time. I saw her. It was, the, it was like her background music, whether she was in the kitchen or out on a run, driving in the car when I was like a little, little kid. She loved that one. So I listened to that one a lot. 
Um, and then my final one has to be, I'm, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, which is part of their um, Joshua Tree album. Um, and I like that one a lot because it kind of relates to purpose. I feel like so many people try to find purpose out in the world and U2's song on that kind of discusses how they still haven't found what they're looking for. And they kind of foreshadow how purpose kind of comes from within you. And I think that's really cool. Since I met you, I knew you were a pretty big YouTube fan when I came into your room the first time. One of the first things I noticed is was your your Joshua Tree record sitting on your desk. And I didn't really get it at first. Like I've personally never been super into them, but when we started talking about you maybe coming on to talk about them and I started reading about them a little bit, I hadn't realized how like involved they were in like activism and philanthropy and how much of their music is like inspired by world events and problems. So it kind of made sense to me like why you liked them because I know you're super like service oriented and it's important to you to be like socially aware and stuff like that. So it all kind of like lined up in my mind and I was like, this is kind of a, this is a Jack band. Is that kind of like why you oh. are interested in them? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I love how they encompass um, a lot of moral energy into their songs, um, moral messages, and then they tie that into with the current economic and political setting. And with that, the edge, the main guitar, um, guitarist behind Bono, who's the lead vocalist, he puts in great guitar solos and they incorporate together to just put a good sound behind those meanings. Um, I remember a good example was in 2016, there's Songs of Experience, which um, went along with Songs of Innocence, which is famous for getting rele released on iTunes with everyone not really wanting it at the time. Um, I remember when Bono advertised that, he said, oh, let's just release it. It was great at the, at the time, but then like a week later, he got so much backlash. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, where did this come from? What is this? Yeah, yeah. And it really undermined the how great some of those songs were. But anyway, Songs of Experience, that was supposed to come out um, uh, 2016. But in 2016 was when the um, Brexit communications in the UK was going on between Ireland and whatnot. And along with that was the new presidential um, election in 2016. And Bono and The Edge, uh, what's his what's his full name? David Howe Evans. Um, he and Bono really saw how the political atmosphere kind of changed, especially in America and the UK, where they're from Dublin, Ireland. So they're from that region and they perform solely in the UK or in the US right now. When they saw that change, they realized that um, most of the moral messages that their songs held in the Songs of Experience album did not really align with the current time. So they actually delayed it to 2017. But then again, The Edge kind of blames Bono for that because when they were writing the whole album, Bono got what they called an air of morality. And he's, he's growing kind of old and he got like really emotional on a couple of topics while they were writing the songs. And so he changed a lot of the lyrics and they said that's why they kind of had to hold it back. But it worked out well. Yeah, that's super interesting actually. Um, YouTube now is known for like their music is very like about moral topics and politics, but it kind of took them a little while to kind of like get into that. Like their first couple albums, Boy and October, were really not about that at all. Like Boy was um, about adolescence and innocence and growing up, and then October was more like religious and spiritual, which they did incorporate into a lot of the music after that was kind of their spirituality. But then I think War was the first album that really was like, like kind of like started to like put up that image of like very being political conscious, politically conscious. And that was one of their first like so albums that um, 
really kind of blew them up and started like making a name for themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it was interesting in an interview, the Bono was being interviewed on the War album and the interviewer asked, so there's a lot of different guitar sounds that came out of it. And the Edge was with him at the time. And he said, yeah, I was actually in a huge argument with my girlfriend right before we started uh, practicing for the War album and writing the songs. And so Bono and Edge, they go into the studio and Edge just starts kind of ripping on the guitar much more violently than he usually does. He usually plays on the echoes a little bit more and he didn't do that at all. He just started going straight into it. Um, they mix that a lot with the percussion that's really heavy in uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is the main protest song from that war album. And Bono said that the whole guitar lead up for and just the guitar throughout in that war album was so distinctly different from the rest of their albums that it kind of set like like you said, that was the difference between their October and Boys album and then the transition to war and the rest of their career. Bloody Sunday, Sunday Bloody Sunday was actually from the viewpoint of someone. Let me see what it says. An ardent is the main protest song right now, um, but it's seen through an observer that is looking at the troubles in Ireland, especially in Northern Ireland, specifically after the Bloody Sunday event, which happened there. So it's kind of supposed to describe that. Um, in the same vein, though, the song gets used a lot in America to describe Bloody Sunday um, in the civil rights movement. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Uh, like you said, the main song off the album that was really noticeable was, I mean, notable was Sunday Bloody Sunday, which was all about the troubles. And it's still like today, one of the, like the most iconic political protest songs of like all time. And they're really known for that. And so uh, there were a few other albums, I mean, songs on that album that were kind of in a similar vein. Uh, New Year's Day was about the Polish solidarity movement. The, thing, the interesting thing about the album is they talk about like the physical aspects of war, but also like the feelings of it and like how it like emotionally impacts people, which was um, interesting. And that was kind of an important thing from this album because that was really unique. And like, if you think about it um, on seconds, that really shows through because it was about like they're making a commentary on, you know, nuclear uh, weapons and how they were spreading too much. But it also it talks a lot about like the fear that comes out of it. Like there was a fear that you know, they were destructed in time, like and how it affects like normal citizens. And that's what a lot of what this album was about is like they were on one hand saying like, yeah, war is bad. These things that are happening are bad and they suck. But then they also like looked at like the people aspect of it and like the emotional aspect of it, of it which is really cool because then that all ties into also kind of what you were talking about with like Bono, I mean, not Bono, the edge, what did you say? The edge was the one that fought with his girlfriend. It talks about war and so like the physical th aspect of war and the literal aspect of war, but also the emotional aspect of war. But then you can also feel that even further because they incorporate a lot of like their own emotion into like the actual music. And I think that's really important anytime someone makes music is that you can kind of feel their emotions through it because you can, I feel like you can tell when like someone makes music, you can tell whether it's genuine or not. And I feel like that's what makes it like really good is when right. you can feel them like through the music. Yeah. And I mean, that was a huge trust thing between Bono and Edge, because if you track YouTube music throughout the years, their genres and, you know, how their music gets portrayed changes all the time. But the two main factors which have stayed constant throughout their career is Bono as the lead vocalist and his spirituality and mysticism and what he sings about and Edge's carrying guitar. So when Edge kind of went off a little bit on Bono, especially with the guitar and just started 
ripping it a little bit, Bono kind of had to trust him. And he's like, I wasn't going to intervene. I don't really know what was going on with Edge at the time, but we followed and it went out well. And then um, after War was one important, one of their like most important shows ever was Live Aid in uh, 1985, which was a show, it was a benefit concert with a lot of big names that was, um, proceeds were going to the Ethiopian famine at the time. And that was the show that like a lot of people credited it with making you two really like superstars. Like that was like, they had this really amazing show. It was only like 12 minutes or something, but they put on this great show. And it really, it was very like, it's funny that that's the show that um, kind of made them like notable and like put them in the spotlight because it's very on brand for them that it was a, it was a benefit concert. And that kind of like relates to like a lot of what they do. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, totally. And that happened what like 1985 i think and from there you two especially bono um really embodied how he can have a huge political voice especially in africa and from that he actually started several nonprofits to work in africa and work with the hiv and aids pandemic and then um many economic disasters which happened there their main ones were data and uh the one um they eventually merged in 2007, but both those are now international organizations, which Bono led with uh, one of the Shrivers, actually, in the Kennedy family. I think his name is Bobby Shriver. He was a mayor in, get where, um, but he was only about mayor for a year, so he wasn't really involved in politics long, but him and Bono set up one and then DATA, which is uh, short for Debt, AIDS, and Trade in Africa. and. Those two organizations have been working ever since they were first made, and they've been protesting throughout the U.S., Canada, and especially um, in the U.K., which has more close contact with Africa and their policies. So especially after that one concert, Bono really saw that he could have a lot of influence. And um, I think the next album after Live Aid was Joshua Tree, which is really like the biggest, like their most iconic album. And I think Joshua Tree is interesting because it's a lot, um, it's focused on the United States a lot, which is funny because they're from Ireland. And um, this was one of the first albums Bono said that he really looked like outside of himself and his experiences and knowledge and took a lot of inspiration, both lyrically and like musically from American traditions, which was interesting because like musically with this album, they kind of before they were maybe influenced a little more by like the new wave and like synth pop stuff that was going on in you know Britain and a lot of the world at the time and they started with this album kind of exploring a lot of like American folk and blues and that kind of stuff which even like like you said like their the whole history of YouTube is them changing their image and their sound a lot in this album they definitely did that musically they kind of shook things up and lyrically they started looking more towards the United States which I think is cool because a lot of like lyrically the album is about like they talk about the two Americas just like the ugliness of the real America and the beauty of the mythical America which I always think is an interesting concept because that kind of goes into you know it's always interesting to talk about the American dream and you know what that really means and if it's really a real thing and but then it also it's so so it talks about like a lot of like the fascination that they had with America and they use the Joshua tree in the desert as kind of a metaphor for that is like the openness and the freedom and the beauty but also it's like a double metaphor because it also represents like barrenness and drought and kind of ugliness and they kind of mix up that like beauty and like interest in the United States but then they also talk about uh, how much they kind of hate America at the same time like because a lot of their like political things I think Reagan was 
president at the time or right before that and they were not happy with him right, no. and they had a lot of they were upset about a lot of like his foreign policy especially in central america and stuff like that it's interesting i remember when i saw them on their 27 2017 joshua tree tour when they played where the streets have no name um they just filed through picture after picture of different people who live in america and before the show started they got just a bunch of random people together especially from the midwest um and just had them stand and take their photo and then they would do a video of the person walking in front of a green screen looking at the camera and then they get their photo taken again and the whole song was just person after person after person um regular day people just walking in and getting their photo taken and then the camera would zoom in on their face um and i think the point was they're really trying to stress more of the um dirtier side of america or not as dirty but less um aggrandized version of america in that song yeah because in songs like because uh, yeah the song uh, the streets where the streets have no name it's very uh they wrote that partially like about America and also like looking back in Dublin I think was the inspiration where they're from about how I think the song was about how like in Dublin just where someone lives like tells you everything you need to know about them kind of like socioeconomically and so it was kind of making a comment about like classism and inequality and that sort of thing um so I thought that was interesting because uh like you said like when they toured on it in 2016 17. 17. Um, You know, they showed that and it was American faces and American people. um, But also in the song, it's about where they're from, their hometown, Dublin. I don't know if they're literally from Dublin, but they're from Ireland. And so it was about that. And um, it kind of shows like the universal kind of idea that it applies to like where they're from, it applies to America, it applies to all these people that, you know, these struggles exist everywhere. And another big thing on this album was they were really critical of America and Reagan's intervention in Central America and how they really affected like El Salvador and the civil war down there. And they were really critical of the United States presence there. And Bono himself went down to a lot of those countries like El Salvador and in Central America to like firsthand see how these people were living and how these kinds of things were affecting them. And so that's what some of the album is about. And I think that's really cool that, especially because it's stuff that like he went down and saw firsthand himself. And he was like, this, like, this is, I'm not happy with this. Like this makes me feel some type of way. So I'm going to write about it and I'm going to talk to the world about it. Yeah. I love how he realizes his potential to kind of preach through his music a little bit, Mm -hmm. especially with the fan base he has. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I think that's a really important thing for musicians to do, especially because like, before like especially in like the 60s and the 70s when it comes to rock music and U2 is generally a rock band a lot of it's just like the whole like sex drugs and like rock and roll kind of image and when it comes to a band like U2 they really just don't bring about that image like they're more like wary of like themselves and how they affect like the image that they're putting out because when you know a lot of these rock stars like I don't know like Led Zeppelin was never really concerned with like world issues they were kind of just like having sex and doing drugs and doing what they wanted to do. And that puts out a certain image on, you know, their fans and you too, I think is very aware of that. And they were very, they are very calculated in how they, uh, the image that they want to put out and how they want to reflect on the people that listen to them. And they're very, um, they use that to be very vocal about what's going on in the world and what they care about. 
after Joshua Tree, the next album that they really did was Act On Baby, which once again, they kind of shook up their image again because Joshua Tree was very, very thoughtful, very conscious. And then Act On Baby, it was much more personal and dark and like super straightforward which was like kind of different from like the image that they had put out before because they were very slight. I don't know, I see them as kind of like a very wise band, like kind of mature. Um, this album, people were kind of taken aback because it was a little more like sexual. It was a little more, about, it was more about personal conflict, which it kind of goes back to those first couple of albums where they was kind of about personal conflict and spirituality. And this, this album was a lot about that, which is interesting how they kind of like, because I don't know, because with war, they really started out this like political image of themselves. And then with Joshua Tree, they took that and they shook things up a little bit, but then they really like solidified that image for themselves. But then with Act Young Baby, they kind of just like, like forget that. Like they still talked about like things, but they kind of took that image once again. And I think that's always interesting for bands. I think it's important not to, to stay true to yourself, but not to like say one thing all the time. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, I remember that album invited a lot of immediate criticism because like you said it came right off of Joshua Tree so there was kind of high expectations that U2 is kind of at the peak of their career um, nonetheless it was still a good album but like you said it had a totally different message and then off of that album they went on the Zoo TV tour which was super interesting yeah yeah uh, definitely not what they were known for before that um, that was all about, I don't know, they made, it was this multimedia tour thing where they were making this whole commentary about like overstimulation and pervasiveness of the media. And it was like super critical of technology. There was all this stuff where like Bono would dress up and perform as these like ridiculous characters. They would like prank call the Bush administration, and the UN. And it was just very, it was very chaotic. It was much more chaotic yeah. than they had been before, but it still like kind of stayed true to their, their image and how they were like, yeah, like, I don't know, I think it was interesting. I like how they kind of adapted their message into like starting to talk about the media because obviously that's something, media and technology, something that grew like later in the 20th century and they were kind of staying with the times and they were like, yeah, like we're growing with the world and you know, all these things are happening. We still have opinions about them and we're still gonna be talking to you about them. And then that inspired the album Zeropa, which is all about that. It was kind of them at like the radical point. But like you said, they're still staying true to themselves. And I think they were really testing the waters to a degree, seeing how far they could go in their messages before even their own diehard fan base was kind of like, what are you doing up there, guys? But yeah, I mean, it's a great band. I love them. They're still extremely popular. Hard to find a diehard U2 fan today. They're pretty old. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. I think they're a super important band. They're not someone I listen to often, but I think it's definitely good to have those figures out there, especially when so many like musicians and celebrities can be so like out of touch with the world and just very like self-centered. And I don't know, a lot of rich people don't like have the the mind to look out of outside of themselves and see like the struggles in the world. Go home and listen to a U2 song. They're great. <laughs> Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jack. It was really great talking to you. And maybe I'll listen to some more, some more YouTube from now on. Maybe I'll check them out. Thank you all so much for having me. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we have an interview with Kenzie McCarter. In the meantime, here's a clip from her song, The Devil. Stay tuned.
What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Culture Jam. Right now, I have Kenzie McCarter here with me. Kenzie is a sophomore at the University of South Carolina. She released her most recent single, The Devil, last year in December 2020, and that is available for you to stream wherever you listen to music. Uh, welcome to the show, Kenzie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, thank you for coming on. How are you today? I am doing good. Happy to be here in Columbia. I had COVID a couple weeks back, so it just feels good to be back out into the public. Yeah, it's a good time to be back out, too. The weather was really nice today for once. It's been pretty gross. Lately. Exactly. Uh, what have you been listening to? What is on your playlist right now? Yeah, so my playlist has definitely been a lot of different types of music at the moment, kind of all over the board. Um, I've really been into a group called The Upper Room. They do kind of a pop worship type thing, which I really, really enjoy, um, especially listening to in the mornings. And then a lot of indie pop stuff. Um, some of the kind of like underground artists that not a lot of people maybe like know about or if they might only know like one song been really into that lately there's a playlist on spotify that i listen to called soda and it's just one of their curated playlists but it is so good and gives me like exactly the music that i love to hear they read my mind uh well right now we're in cola are you from south carolina originally or are you from somewhere else no, I'm actually from Pennsylvania, um, fairly central, about 20 minutes outside of Penn State. So it's about two and a half hours from both Philly and Pittsburgh. So truly nothing around. <laughs> That's dope. I'm from Maryland, so kind of similar. Okay. And... What part of Maryland are you from? Um, it's also called Columbia. It's like right in the middle in Howard County. I just visited there over winter break, actually. It's like right like halfway between Baltimore and DC is just what I tell people. But um, has it, what has it been like for you, like moving down to the South? Has that like been kind of a cultural difference from Pennsylvania or? Yeah, there have been, um, so definitely a lot during my freshman year with me being a sophomore now, it's been a little bit different. But during my freshman year, one of the things that I was constantly hearing was this idea that people um, who were born and raised in the South didn't quite understand how to take my sense of humor, especially if they were like maybe like third generation Southerner kind of thing because it's so sarcastic and like to the point being from the North and like constantly being surrounded by that culture that I had a couple of really close friends um, my freshman year admit a couple months and they were like, I literally thought that you were just like rude sometimes for fun, not recognizing that like it's a sarcasm and like a social norm that people are just so used to back then. That was a huge difference for me to really navigate. Yeah, I definitely get that. Like the whole like Southern hospitality thing is definitely real. Like people are very friendly, especially at first. Like there were definitely times when I would say something to someone, they're like, oh my God. I'm like, no, no, like I didn't mean it that way. I was just like joking. Exactly. It's so funny to think about. Um, since you've come to South Carolina, has it kind of changed your music at all? Like how are you more country influenced now or were you always or like has that made yeah. any difference? So I was basically born and raised on country music specifically. Um, and I love that genre so much. I like the storytelling aspects of it because I think that there is truly no other genre of music that tells a story that well, that cohesively, and they hit the mark every single time. Um, 
But I will say that since coming to um, South Carolina and just like being put in an environment where I'm constantly meeting new people and fresh faces has definitely changed just the content of my songs a lot. I think before it was like way more narrow-minded to like my own experiences but now that I have so many other people's experiences to draw from it's really not changed my sound too much minus the fact that I've just kind of grown into more of like an indie country pop type of vibe um, but like content wise I can definitely see a change as I'm really drawing from like other people's experiences that I've heard about or little pieces that have just come up in a conversation. You perform at Russell Underground fairly frequently and you recently performed during like a Taylor Swift listening party or after it. I think there's definitely some similarities between like your lyrical content and a little bit of sound. Are you a Taylor Swift fan or was that kind of a coincidence? I am. Um, Taylor Swift and High School Musical 2 were the two things that actually got me into music. <laughs> Um, sounds super weird, but those were like the things that honestly propelled me into being like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, I have to admit, I'm not as in love with Taylor Swift's new stuff. Um, I really think that she missed the mark on Lover. Sorry for any Taylor Swift fans listening, but I really am a fan of what she moving into with like folklore and evermore um, so I really, really love that compliment. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> For sure. Are there any other artists that you draw a lot of influence from in your music? Yeah, I would definitely say that there are multiple artists that I tend to really draw um, influence from. One artist in particular that I really like, just the sounds um, that she kind of creates is Casey Musgraves. Um, I really like how she kind of like plays that line between country and pop. I think that it's really interesting um, and I just love that aspect. When I'm personally writing my inspiration um, to really like tell a story with whatever song I'm doing and um, they gave this piece of advice on a podcast that said, you know, make sure your opening line is a line that hooks everybody and makes them want to keep listening. Um, it's actually a band called Old Dominion. I am a super fan of theirs. Um, have seen them in concert literally four times. I just think that their songwriting is so classic and timeless and always just tells like such beautiful narratives. So I would definitely say I pull inspiration from them and then just a lot of different pop artists too when it comes down to like what I want the melodies to be like. I always want them to be catchy and get stuck in your head and I think that there are so many good artists like Dua Lipa who always does that and it's just really really awesome to like see that. Yeah you were talking a little bit earlier about how since coming to college you've kind of expanded like what you write about to like other people's experiences and stuff. When you're writing a song like The Devil or Back to You, like, do you write those with kind of like a specific like person or event in mind? Or do you try to draw from like more general experiences and like feelings that you had? Yeah, that is a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, there, it's really interesting. So obviously Back to You and The Devil are both kind of um, the essence of some sort of romantic story that's going on when you first listen to them. And what's funny is Back to You, I truthfully like did not write about anybody at all. I had never been in a relationship before when that was released. <laughs> um, so it was just very much so like something drawing from the experiences that I saw in my friends and on TV. Um, and really wanting to capture this feeling of what it looks like to just have like this person constantly like haunting you and going back and forth. Um, 
the devil on the flip side of things was definitely inspired by a lot of different experiences from people around me, but also came from much more of a personal space as well, um, from just some different toxic situations that I had been in. Um, and when I first wrote the song, it was way more focused on like this broken relationship. But the more and more that I started really crafting it until the point that it was released, I recognized that the devil is truthfully anything inside of you that you are just battling against and you think you can handle, but it's not good for you. So it could be some sort of drug usage, whether that's alcoholism or this or that. And it could also be those toxic friendships that like you think they won't disappoint you the next time, but they do. Um, so I really think it is just like grown into more of an essence. And I love that it has meant so much um, to so many people. I've heard from um, different friends of mine that they actually thought it was about spiritual warfare, which I thought was a really interesting perspective that I hadn't thought of before, but in some ways I think it could be construed that way. So it's just been really awesome to kind of like get to see other people take in my work and um, kind of make it their own story that maybe I didn't even intend. Yeah, that's cool. I, um, I think you mentioned earlier that you listened to something that was um about worship or faith is that something that you like means a lot to you when it comes to your music or just like do you draw inspiration from that and think about that when you're writing or is it just kind of like in life yeah i definitely think that um over the last couple years of my life although um i've kind of clung on to the christian faith ever since i was a child um the last couple of years of my life that has become truly the center of my universe and I think in a lot of ways it has changed my writing um, into the perspective that I want to make sure that every song that I write, even if it doesn't have like a remotely religious purpose um, beneath it, because honestly, I'm so bad at writing worship songs. I have tried. <laughs> um, I lead worship and like I just still can't do it. Um, but either way, it has become more prevalent to me that I want to make sure that whatever I'm writing is going to help somebody some way, whether that's um, feel a little less alone by like hearing a song that they're like, wow, like someone else knows what it feels like to be in a relationship with somebody who is talking toxic or oh somebody knows what it feels like to like grieve and lose something um whether that's a grandparent that's close to them or a friend um I love that idea um that it can help somebody else and make them feel less alone so I think that has become a stronger purpose in my life because of my faith and recognizing that that's something that um is the mission and that is like the mission of my life that's really awesome when you when it comes to your like music career, do you feel like you try to, is like there a certain image that you try to put out? Like if someone were to listen to your music and know nothing about you, do you think that it would be like a representative image of yourself? Or do you try to put out just the best image of yourself or like all sides or do you keep that in mind ever? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think in a lot of ways it's very representative of my personality in the way that I'm an open book. Um, you could literally ask me anything about my past, present, or future, and I would tell you right now um, because I just don't, I don't believe in having any shame about your story at all. I think that it's really important because it makes up who you are. So I think in that way, um, I never shy away from like not using something in a song because I think it's too personal. Like I want to write songs like that. I definitely um, think, though, that a lot of my music that I put out is really sad because, um, unfortunately, like, I am just better at writing sad songs, and those are normally the ones that, like, I end up wanting to cut and um, really put 
out there to the world. Um, and I am a much happier person <laughs> than that um, <laughs> personality, um, especially now. I think when most of those songs were written, I was really going through it, but I'm in a very happy relationship now and I still can't write happy songs. So couldn't tell you. <laughs> Uh, that kind of goes into my next question. I was going to say, is there anything about you that you do want people to know that maybe doesn't necessarily like show through in your music or that you haven't been able to show yet? Yeah, um, I definitely think that first and foremost would be that obviously like sometimes my songs um, are very sad and I promise that I'm a much happier person than that. But I think that um, the truth is I process through music. So when I'm going through something hard or um, I'm a very, very big empath too. So if somebody around me is going through something hard, like I take that on as my own burden beside them. And so I think that that conveys in my songs a lot. That even now when like I see that my friends are struggling, um, my sisters in Christ are struggling, anything like that, I really like want to write a song to process it myself because it's almost like what I need to do. Um, and I think in some ways it's this idea that like even if I'm not experiencing it again, like with like my mission in music being like wanting to make people less alone. Um, I'm seeing that like somebody's going through this, what can I do to like help and like relate to that? And I think that music is truly the universal language and it's the best way to connect to anybody and really convey that message. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Obviously in the last like couple of years, there's been a lot going on in the world, like politically and with COVID and you started college and you moved down to a different state. Do you feel like in the last year or two, um, everything that's kind of been going on has changed your relationship with your music and with your creativity at all? Yeah, I definitely think um, COVID has been very hard. Um, the pandemic has been very hard on music just because normally I'm used to like getting to collaborate with people a lot more. Um, even those just interactions that I draw experience from, obviously it's harder to see people. It's harder to communicate um, daily with even the people that you used to see all of the time. So I think that that has been a real challenge since I'm constantly used to drawing from real world experiences. And then I think on another level too, um, just feeling burnt out by all of the events that like are constantly so upsetting and so horrible to see the way that mankind just acts sometimes has um, honestly made it hard to even motivate myself to write sometimes, which kind of sounds silly because while I do use it as a processing tool, sometimes it's just like my brain hurts too much today to try to like actually verbalize anything. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think definitely in the past year, things have just, everything is just difficult. Like it's hard to motivate yourself. It's hard to get yourself to do things a lot of the time. And I definitely see how it could be hard, even like with something that you enjoy doing and that you really like enjoy being creative and using that, it can be just almost feel like a chore sometimes. Yeah, um, exactly. Great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, that's about all I had. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or share or let people know? I just want to thank y'all so much with Garnet Media Group and of course you and your show Zoe for having me on and um, getting a chance to just share my story and who I am. Of course thank you for coming on it was great talking to you and I'm looking forward to anything else that you put out in the future. Thank you so much have a good day y'all. You too. All right y'all thanks for listening in I'll catch you next time. I'm Zoe and this was Culture Jam.